When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Short, Dr. Justin Short. I'm your host for today, by myself, and like other episodes where I'm alone, it's going to get a little bit crazy up in her, but that's going to be good. For today's episode, after much contemplation, I've decided to put together kind of 10 universal truths I've learned over the past five years of coaching. I didn't pick them because they're popular or that they're going to tickle your ears or increase our listenership, but because they are the truth. And if taken and applied, they will help you grow personally and financially, professionally. And that's what we're about. I'd rather have only 100 listeners who are all in and making stuff happening than a bunch of people that just want to feel good and only want to hear what they want to hear. But that's it. So, and just an FYI, as we go through this, it gets better the further we get into it. So stick with me. But first, I want to get some housekeeping out of the way that we usually do at the end. Let's just do it now. Reverse it. If you get any value from this podcast, we ask and only ask that you leave us a good review on iTunes, just like it helps you when your patients leave you a review. It helps us. And that's all we ask. And we appreciate it. We're very thankful. We don't take it for granted. We know it's a pain in the butt, but we do this for you guys. And if you're not getting any value, don't do it. In fact, don't even listen. Not because I'm trying to be a jerk, but because I want you to get the best use for your time. And if listening to this podcast is not it, then I don't want you doing it. Next, if you want to get in touch, you want to talk about taking your live practice to the next level, that's what we do here at CLP. So feel free to email us, Justin, Derek, or Steve at Lifestyle Practice. You can get in touch. We can discuss it. We can get on the phone. But please do it only if you're somewhat serious. Just because you reach out doesn't mean we expect you to sign up for anything. But we want you to at least be interested. We don't want to get on the phone just for a second getting on the phone because we're busy, just like you. And our time is important, just like yours. And if we get on the phone with every single person or email with every single person who wanted a tire kick, mess around, that's pretty much what we'd be doing 24-7. So all that to say, if you're interested, reach out. Let's talk about it. Let's see what we can do if we're a good fit. And... That's what we do. That's what we enjoy doing. So helping you guys succeed. But with no further ado, no banter between me and Steve or me and Derek, which I'm sure you guys probably appreciate. Let's jump into it. These 10 truths that I came up with. Number one, don't expect what you're not willing to work for. That's number one. There is no magic. If you want to create a practice in life that outshines your peers, that is uncommon, that allows you to have pride in a life others will never have. You have to be prepared and willing to do the work those others will not do. Hiring coach will not do it. 
Buying the right practice will not do it. Having a CBCT will not do it. Those things may help, but without the work, they're not going to do it. Having or being something special requires more work and effort. The proof is all around you in business, in sports, everywhere. I love watching sport documentaries. And anytime you dig into the greats off the court, you see they put in more effort than the rest of the team. You look at the MJs, Kobe's, LeBron's, Brady's, you see their time off the court isn't like their teammates. And it doesn't make them better people, but it does make them more successful. The separation doesn't occur at team practice. That's not where you get ahead. It happens during the off-season, after practice, when the rest of the team is in bed. I've told this story before somewhere. I don't remember where. A couple years ago, I went to the playoff NBA game between Cavaliers and Celtics when LeBron was still there. I'm not a huge LeBron fan, but I he's on a different level, and there's no denying that. He's on a different level, and I respect that. So we got there early to watch the warm-ups, and we were down courtside, and all the Cavs were out there shooting around, warming up, stretching, blah, 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 besides LeBron. He wasn't out there. And I asked the usher, hey, bro, where's LeBron? And he kind of chuckled and said, he gets here in the morning and has already spent hours warming up. He's done. He's getting ready for the game back in the locker room. And that spoke volumes to me. He was different because he had different habits. You know, the rest of the team, and they're all really good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they're professional players. But their habits were different. LeBron's habits were different than the rest of the team's. Leaders' habits are different from those around them, from those they lead. And... That's why they're the best. The rest of the team comes out 45 minutes, an hour before the game, warms up, shoots a little bit. I'm good. Let's roll. LeBron's there hours before shooting, warming up, running drills. Even though he's the best on the team, you would think, oh, that guy, you know, probably only needs 10 minutes of warm up compared to everyone else. No, he put in hours before and was already past that point when the rest of the team went out there to warm up. That's why he was the best on the team. So, Don't expect results from the work you're not willing to put in. Number two, often common sense doesn't play out. What I mean by that is often we have these dreaded scenarios in our heads that never actually happens. If I raise my fees tomorrow, everyone is going to call in and request their records and switch offices. They're all going to complain as they're checking out or If I cut my hours, my patients are going to leave because I'm not here enough for them. They all want a dentist who's here four or five days a week. Or if I let this team member go who has a bad attitude and shows up late and doesn't listen to me, all my patients are going to follow them because they're all coming here for them. They've been with them forever, and I need them for continuity. Those things run through each of our minds. You know how I know it? Because they ran through my mind once upon a time. And I hear other doctors tell me that they run through their mind. Because in theory, they make sense. But over hundreds of cases that I've seen, including my own, never once have I seen these play out. You have to find out what's real and separate it from the false narrative that 
seems logical, but doesn't actually play out in your head because those things hold you back and they're lies. Number three, letting the wrong team members remain in your office hurts you and holds you back. Here's the harsh truth. If you let a team member stick around in your office that you know needs to go, they buck you at every suggestion when you ask them to do something. It goes in one ear, not the other. They show up late, they cause drama, or they just can't perform the way you need them to in some fashion. You know what? You're weak. You are not a strong leader because a strong leader would not tolerate that. Bottom line, I mean, it's black and white. And it's not fair to the right people on your team to let the wrong people stick around because those wrong people will take away everything that everyone else is working for. And I've dealt with clients on this issue, I'd say weekly for years now. And there has not been one single time after they had grown the balls to do what they knew deep down they needed to do that I've ever had one person come back and say, that was a mistake. I should have let them stick around longer. No, every time what I hear is our office is so much better. It was so much better coming to work. It turns out patients, they may say, hey, we're Susie, but next time they're not asking where Susie is. By the end of the appointment, if they're treated well by the new person who's in Susie's spot, they've forgotten about her. They don't want to go somewhere else. So don't let the wrong team members hang around. Make the move and you're going to be fine. Number four, this is big and it's true. People skills trump clinical skills. I see a much wider degree and variation in doctors' people skills than I do versus their clinical skills. For the most part, I can't tell whose crown or filling or implant is better, but I can tell you who is a better leader, who is better at connecting with their team and their patients. And at the end of the day, like it or not, you may not think it's fair, but that is what is going to decide your fate. Your ability to lead your team in the direction you want your practice to go and to get your patients to know like and trust you and accept your treatment suggestions will have a much more profound effect on the success of your practice than your margins and line angles. And I'm not saying use this as an excuse to do shoddy work because some of you are probably out there making excuses to yourself. Well, I don't think that's right. I think it's all about the work, which it is. It's very important. So don't email me and say, that I was trying to say do crappy work because I'll just laugh at you. But I'm telling you, I'm speaking the truth. If I line up 10 doctors and line them up one through 10 based on the success of their practice, depending on how you measure it, they would fall in line based upon their leadership skills, not their shade matches or their line angles or their margins. And I know at least for me, it was much easier to go take a weekend CE course learning about implants than it was to increase my leadership capacity in the office and work on how to hold my team accountable and talk to patients. But at the end of the day, that is what had the biggest impact. Just like with my patients, you may not like what I'm telling you right now, but just like with them, 
I'm telling you the truth. And I would tell them, I'm sure you may not want to hear this. My job is to tell you exactly what I see going on in your mouth. And you may not like what I'm saying, but my job is to tell you the truth. And because the best players and the most successful people out there, they want the truth. It's hard, but they want the truth, period. And those are the ones who I'm speaking to today. Let's move on. Number five, mediocre people don't like high achievers and high achievers don't like mediocre people. I think it was Nick Saban who said that originally, but it's always stuck with me. It may not even been him. I can't remember. I tell you this because I always think it's easier to weather a storm that you know is coming than one that you don't, that you're surprised by. If you have mediocre people on your team, they're not going to like when you push them to improve or increase their performance. You are fundamentally and innately at odds. If you have close friends that are content with being mediocre, they usually aren't going to like or be the ones supporting you on your climb to the top. They'll tell you you're working too hard. All you care about is money or make little digs at you. I know because I've been there. Be prepared for it and block that crap out. Hopefully, you make the decision to look for and find high achievers for your team. Because frankly, that's what high achievers do. They look for other high achievers to work with. And those people, believe it or not, and I know it's hard to find them sometimes, they're out there for every position you have in your office. But at the end of the day, don't be surprised when you get pushback or attitude or don't get the support you'd like from mediocre people. It's just not going to happen. Expect it. Know that it's coming. And I think that'll help you be prepared and deal with it when you experience it. Number six, increased hours does not automatically lead to increased production. Intentionality, focus, efficiency lead to an increased production. Again, it follows the principle that many of these points we're covering today do, that the hard way is the right way, the most productive way. It's easy for most of us to work more. We've all had to work hard, get through dental school, if you get your own practice now, you know what hard work is to some extent. It's harder to become more focused, to become more intentional, to become more efficient, because those take real work. It's not just, oh, I'll stay here longer. I'll come in another half day. I'll come in another day. It's actually learning, dissecting, reflecting on what can we do better here? How can we shave all 15 minutes from this hour and a half crown appointment that should actually take 60 minutes? So we've all heard the saying, work smarter, not harder. I think that's dumb. It's harder to work smarter, right? I think the saying should be work smarter and harder, not longer. And I've always been someone who would rather produce in three days what others produce in four and spread out over four. That's just me. I know that's not for everyone. I've had clients that say, hey, I know I could do it in three days, but that sounds too stressful. I don't want to do it. And that's fine. So do it in four if you want. But I've yet to see a practice where I've walked into a practice where I didn't know we could cut out at least a half a day. And more often, it's a full day and still maintain production if that's what the doctor wanted. If that's not what the doctor wanted, 
That's not what we do. And in most cases, we're dropping the time in the office and increasing profit and production. Dropping and just keeping production where it is, it's pretty easy. But our goal usually, depending on the doctor, is to drop time and still increase profit and production. And that's usually always possible. It comes down to doing and focusing on the right things, many of which we're discussing here today. Number seven, tracking your diagnosis is an eye-opening key data point everyone should track for at least a couple months. I believe you should aim to diagnose three times your daily goal. So if your daily goal is 5,000, you should be treatment planning 15,000 every day. If you do that, and most of your other ducks are in a row, you'll usually hit the goal you have. It's crazy. It's amazing. What I see is most docs treatment plan one to one and a half times their daily goal and then get pissed at the front desk for not filling their schedule like they want. That's like giving your front desk a puzzle with half the pieces and saying, hey, go put this puzzle together by noon. So if you're not hitting the numbers you want to hit, start tracking your diagnosis. Find out what you're diagnosing, treatment planning every day. Aim for three times the daily goal you want to hit. Once you see what you're averaging, then diagnose the issues in your practice. If you see you're diagnosing enough, if you see you're diagnosing that $15,000 a day, but patients aren't ending up on your schedule, why? Is it they're not getting a good experience? They don't like or trust you? Is your front desk not closing the deal and getting them scheduled? Now, if you're not diagnosing, let's say on that same practice, you're diagnosing 8,000. Why? Is it you're too conservative? Are you more comfortable telling patients they need a three-surface filling instead of a crown? Do you not have enough patients? And for the record, I see more of the former and not the latter. But knowing your diagnosis number is a key guideposts to get to the root of the issue. And that's what needs to be solved. Number eight, the first step when starting a practice or acquiring a practice is making sure you have the right team in place. Trying to build something special or grow your practice with the wrong team in place is like trying to stay afloat in a boat with holes in it. It's a losing battle that only makes you have to work that much harder. Yes, Sometimes this means you have to replace the queen bee hygienist or front desk who you're certain all your patients will follow if you let them go, even though we've already told you that that never really plays out in reality. I think we give ourselves way too much credit at times. Who is cleaning a patient's teeth or a $5 increase for an appointment rarely fails to register on our patient's mind, even though we think that's all they're thinking about. Oh my gosh, they know that cleanings went up $5 at the end of the appointment when they're going to check out. I can already tell they know. Oh my gosh. Yes. They may come in for their cleaning and say, oh, where's Susie? And if the patient likes you and they like the new hygienist, they've forgotten about Susie by the end of the appointment. That's sad, but that's reality. Same thing with you. If you're like, man, I'm leaving this practice. I'm selling it to this new person. Everybody's probably going to miss me. Everyone's going to want to try to follow me. Oh, man. You know what? If they like the new doctor, they're like, doctor who? After their first appointment. And like I said, we give ourselves too much credit. Let's say you have that one-off patient. It's like, oh, I was only coming here for Susie. I'm out of here, guys. You know, what's their alternative? They're going to go to a totally new office where they don't know 
anybody where they don't have their records, where they don't have their insurance information, where they don't know the front desk or the assistant or seen the doctor before, people don't want to do that. That's a pain. And honestly, they don't care that much. Now, here's something to consider. If they don't like you, the doctor, or they don't trust you, the doctor, they're gone. They're gone. That will cause them to leave. So keep that in mind. Number nine, there is no magic. Successful practices are built daily, not in a day. If you take over an underperforming practice and you have big goals for it, be prepared. It will often be a daily grind in the beginning if you are serious about wanting to turn it into something special. But if you stick with it, although you may not see daily progress, in fact, you will not see daily progress, you're going to look back a couple months from now, three, four, six months, year from now, and you're going to see how far you've come. It's like dieting or getting in shape. How many of you have tried to lose weight? You eat clean the day before. When you go to bed, you got those little hunger pains going on. You know, in your mind, you're thinking like, I can't wait to get on scale tomorrow. And you wake up and get on the scale and you weigh and you're like the same. Maybe you're down 0.1. And you're like, what the hell? Screw this. That's not working. That's how it is in your practice. But if you stick with it, it will pay off. You've heard me say it a thousand times. If it were easy, there would be no uncommon success because everyone would be very successful and have the life they've always dreamed of. Going back to number one that we started with, don't expect results you're not willing to work for. But the payoff, payoff is worth it. Number 10, it's the last one. Anything is possible. And I know that's cliche, so stick with me. Because I believe in 100%. I've had clients who day one, I knew this was going to be tough for them and tough for me. But they focused, they got dedicated, they stayed the course, and now reap rewards they can't believe and many others will never get to reap. No one, this may be a newsflash for some of you, no one is going to do it for you or earn it for you. And you haven't earned it just because you've went to dental school. You've got big loans. Oh, I deserve it. I deserve the success. I worked hard in undergrad and I went to dental school and I got 500 grand in school loans. I deserve an easy road to make a lot of money. No, you don't. You don't. None of us have. You earn it with the sweat equity and the blood, sweat, and tears that you're willing to put in to then take it to the next level. And like I said, no one's going to do it for you. And one reason is most people secretly, they want you to fail. Ugh. I know that's almost sacrilegious to say, but it's the truth. Think about it. When people see you succeed, what does it force them to accept? And this is truth. The fact that they could have the same success, but that they aren't willing to put in the work that you're putting in. And no one, no one does, myself included, no one likes to hear that or be faced with that reality. That's why they're secretly rooting against you. So it's you versus you versus the world. Deep down, people want to see one of two things. You try and fail or that you don't try at all. Because it makes those mediocre people feel like, see, they tried and they failed. So there's no part in trying. Or they're okay with being mediocre. So I'm just like them. They're not even better than me. 
we're both okay being mediocre slugs. Here's some honesty for you as we're getting ready to end. And you're not going to hear this many places. It's not popular, but it is what it is. It's honesty. I want those people to look at me, Justin Short, and my life and think, I can't compete with that bastard. I hate him. I hate him because looking at him makes it painfully obvious just how damn mediocre I am in comparison. Peace. Top.